0: to the Equipus Church Surrey podcast. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Thanks. Awesome. Hey, um, before you take a seat, how about we uh, just maybe close our eyes, maybe raise our hands, whatever, however you open your heart to God. God, we pray that uh, this is a significant season in our lives, in our families' lives, in the life of this church and even of this nation. And God, we pray this morning, God, we, we're we desperate to hear from You. We we wanna be inspired, provoked, challenged. We want our eyes to open up to our lives, uh, have bigger possibilities than we imagined. And, uh, and it kind of cliche kind of thing, we can be... World changes, and uh, and and you want to invite us into participating with heaven in shifting things in our lives and families and communities and nations. And so, on. God, we say, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, inspire us, cause us to just kind of just mouth drop, kind of, oh my goodness, you could use my life like that. And may there be a yes and amen in our spirits. I pray as we hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a seat. It's great to be with you. Um, we uh, Thanks, guys. Great worship. As always, we are doing a series on uh, prayer and fasting. Uh, and um, I quite like that fast from picking your nose and biting your fingernails, but maybe next year. Um, we could um, try that. Uh, but uh, I really liked, I loved last Sunday the messages that Pastor Mark brought and, and I loved uh, kind of almost like a little shift for me because, uh, because it seemed like the emphasis really is on prayer and then fasting is kind of the tool that creates space for that and almost, almost dials up the sense like I'm serious about that. I kind of since the last few years in New Zealand we've often done this Daniel fast and it seems like, everyone's preoccupied finding exotic Daniel recipes and, and spending more time in supermarkets checking labels and sharing recipes and stuff. And it's like, we were kind of supposed to be focusing on prayer. I feel like we kind of lost the plot a bit. So it's been really, it was really wonderful to sense like, oh, this is 21 days of prayer and the fasting kind of add, adds weight to the prayer. And so, um, and so I, I'm gonna share some, Thoughts today around um, prayer, and um, and I woke up this morning. This sounds presumptuous and preposterous, but I felt like this cheeky challenge from God for us this morning. That he he almost this invitation, like, what about rewrite history? What about what about you understand that prayer is partnering with heaven? And you could rewrite history, maybe for this on a global scale. Like you know, if you study the history of prayer and intercession, you'll find discussions around the place of intercession. And in, in like the Second World War, the Battle of Britain, later on, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Actually, I was just checking before on my phone, googling, and found out this Bible College in Wales. Uh, when the Second World War broke out, every night from seven p.m. to midnight, they would pray and just to go, God uses prayer to, to, some, to, to rewrite history. But, but if, if that sounds all a bit big, but God also uses prayer to rewrite the history of your life, of, of your children's life, of your family, of your community, of your businesses. And I feel like there's this, there's this faith um, provocation, this kind of cheeky kind of um, challenge from God. Like, how about, how about we rewrite history? How about I just choose to not settle for the status quo in my life and in our families? And like, God, I'm petitioning you that that child comes back to faith. God, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm storming heaven, asking that something shifts in my business, in my workplace, in my community. God, I, I, I'm petitioning you that something shifts in this health of this relative that, that history is not just a script that's gonna unfold, but I'm invited to partner with heaven to change the script. And so kind of that's really uh, what I, I, I wanna talk about. And, um, and to understand prayer really is so much, I loved how Pastor Mark said, he's almost wanting to bring like a, a little course correction, like that, the sense like prayer is a lot more important than we have realised. And and when you look in the Bible that it's really the basic of a life of someone who just wants to live right with God. And so if you look in Acts chapter 10, there's this fascinating story about this non-Jew, non-Christian guy called Cornelius. And it just says that this, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. That means I wanna put God in the right place in my life. So what did he do? He did two things. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. It's like, oh, somehow I lose in the busyness of life. I kind of lose the plot. Oh, I've got my connect group and I've got Sunday service and we've got to do this and that. And it's like, no, no, the foundation of this is like, I pray and I give. <laughs> I pray and I give. And, and when you go on in verse four, then uh, he has this encounter with an angel. Like he's not even a Christian yet, but God speaks to him and, and says this, the angel answered this. Your, the same two things, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. God loves generous people and he loves people of prayer. And it attracts his attention and it moves his heart when we pray and when we're generous. And then down a bit later on in the account, verse 31, uh, he's recounting this and he tells the story about how he was praying. In verse 31, Cornelius, and said, talking about the angel, and, and the angel said to him, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. And it's like, So three times, that's significant in Jewish thinking. Three times in this passage, Cornelius, this is what matters about you. This is what has attracted the attention of heaven. This is what has moved heaven to act on your behalf. You pray and you give to the poor. You pray and you give to the poor. In Matthew chapter 6, I don't think we've got the verses, Jesus talking about the acts of piety, he talks about three things, but he talks about when you pray, when you fast, so he pulls those together, and when you give to the poor. So it's like prayer and fasting and giving to the poor. Prayer and fasting, giving to the poor. That's actually what makes someone a person who is pursuing God and trying to do life well. And so, you know, I love the thought that, that this is a lot more important and it's, and it's not a rebuke, rebu- it's just kind of like a course adjustment, it's like a tweak uh, just to get things back in their right alignment oh, prayer is more important than than I've kind of lost it in a bit of busyness. And so again, you'll see this emphasis in Matthew 21 verse 13 when Jesus comes to the temple, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. Yes, they offered sacrifices. Yes, they did worship. Yes, they did teaching there. But he's like, no, no, what's most important actually is when the people of God gather that this is a house of prayer. Uh, so it's like, oh, no, the prayers aren't just the little bits in between the worship and the cups of coffee and the prayer ministry. Other, no, no, this is a house of prayer. So, I, oh, how did I forget that? How did I lose that? And, um, you know, and so, but I love when you get into the New Testament, faith is not about shoulds and duty and guilt. It's about heart. And so Pastor Mark preached on this last, um, last Sunday then in Acts chapter two, when it talks about the early church. They devoted themselves, yeah, to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Like we, we love this thing. We're devoted to this thing because we know that it works. We know that it's significant. We know that we get to come into the presence of God, and we get to we get to rewrite the history of people's lives by petitioning heaven, by standing against spiritual opposition, by seeing transformation. Like this is so exciting. And, um, and, and I'm going to share some stories of my, you know, my experience of prayer, and I was sharing this with the staff on Tuesday that are uh, coming up for almost 40 years in ministry. and I could talk about running Bible colleges and doing teaching or whatever. But when I look back, the most satisfying things have been when I've partnered with God in prayer for something. And that, that's what I remember. And it's like, man, I wanna rekindle my devotion to like, this is the most fulfilling thing that I do. This is the most significant thing that I do. This is the most satisfying thing that I do. I partner with heaven to rewrite history around something in my world. And, and, and if you like, so it's gone from just practices to heart, but I love the fact that in the New Testament, it even goes to another level that it's the Holy Spirit thing. Because uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What that means, letter is, I've got to pray for 21 days, I've got to fast. That's just gonna kill you. But the idea that the Spirit would be drawing me into something that says, hey, Steve, I, I, I want you to partner with heaven to pray and intercede for this thing for the next 21 days. I want you you to cooperate with my Holy Spirit to petition heaven, to stand against the spiritual opposition, to see something shift. It's like, man, that's what gives life. And so, you know, as we fill out these cards, I pray that when the thing like I'm believing for, I pray those are not just like the wish lists, but, but those are Holy Spirit birthed passion. I'm feeling like God is saying, petition heaven, storm heaven, believe for this. Believe for something to shift in your world this year. And, and, and this is really the great mystery of prayer. What God wants done, He moves His people to prayer first about. Doesn't that blow your mind? What God wants done, Holy Spirit stirs in us to petition Him to do it. And you go, man, and as I said, for me, those have been some of the most satisfying parts of my life. So I just want to share three dynamics that you might find yourself drawn into. These are three dynamics of prayer that I have found myself caught up in, in God. And, and they're kind of like a bit like a map that go, oh, now I can understand what's going on because I'm not really sure what this thing that I'm feeling is. But hopefully these might provide a bit of uh, structure and guidance and I'll illustrate them from my experiences in my life. But they come from three stories in the Bible. So the first one is this dynamic, that at times you are gonna find yourself with this thing, that you're gonna find yourself, you're gonna be petitioning the King. Like I'm standing before the throne of heaven and I'm petitioning the King. For my request, and there's a famous incident in the book of Esther. She was a queen, but again, in that culture, even the queen, the king was so far above uh, her in status, she couldn't even walk into his presence uh, on her own instigation. She had to wait for an invitation. She risked death by doing that. But there's this incident where she feels like she has to petition the king. She has to rewrite the history for her people because they're going to be executed. And she's like, I know what I need to do. I need to petition the king to change this. And so on the third day, she puts on her royal robe. She stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne. Verse two, when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, this he was pleased with her and he held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. This is a model that we could transfer to prayer that we're coming before the king of eternity. And he, and, he, and he smiles when he sees you coming. And he, and he extends this, like, come. And, and then he says this amazing thing in verse three. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther, this? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be given you. And it's the sense, I'm invited to come. And the king extends his scepter of welcome and favour and says, what are you requesting of me? Even to half, like, are your prayers big enough? You're petitioning the king, and his favor is towards you. What is your request? And I, and I pray that even now God might stir faith that, man, am, am, I, am I, not am I wasting his time, but no, am I, am I praying big enough prayers? Because I have the audience of the king. You know, and, and Paul talks about this in Ephesians, for through Him, Jesus, we, we have access to the Father. Oh, I'm, I'm caught up in this thing where the Holy Spirit kind of provokes me to go, come on, come before God and petition Him about this. Come on, ask heaven ask to move on your behalf. Ask heaven for that child. Ask heaven for that turnaround in your life. Ask heaven for a turnaround in your business. Ask heaven for a turnaround in your community or your city or your nation. Petition the King. And... and it actually can move on to that because Psalm 110 talks about Jesus, the Lord says to my Lord, Lord, meaning Jesus, sit at my right hand. He's like, no, just don't even start petitioning. Come and sit with me and we're gonna do this together. I'm gonna exercise my will with you in this process and you're gonna find yourself. He's gonna like, hey, I want you to pray this now. Hey, I want you actually to declare this now. I want you to say this is the will of heaven. Not because I decided, but because heaven has whispered into my heart. Come on, this is what I want you to declare. That it can be a game changer. And the famous passage in Matthew 16, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a bit of an ambiguity in the grammar you can see maybe down the bottom. It's a bit unclear whether it's whatever you bind on earth will have been bound. But I love the thought it kind of ties together. It's like the Father's going, come on, I wanna, I wanna loose this. I want you now to declare it's gonna be loosed. And then you go, I declare this. And God's going, good, now we're gonna act. And it's like, I'm invited into that to rewrite history through those kind of things. Let me give you some uh, examples in, in my life. So when I was um, like 19 or 20, I was studying at university in a different city to my family and one day my mother rang me and said, oh, my grandmother, we used to call her Nana, had, had a heart attack. And I was, I was quite close to her and, I, I was re- and she, none of my family were Christian and I just had got this, passion in my heart and I just prayed and said, God, please don't let her die until she's had a chance to decide for you. And now for every day I'd pray that, God, please don't let her die until she's had a chance to decide. God, please don't let her die until she's had a chance to decide. God, please don't. And I just, every day over a period of months, I would just pray this prayer, young, zealous, 19-year-old kind And then one day I felt God say, what if she's decided? I was like, oh, that's okay then. And then within, I can't remember now, within a week, 10 days, she passed away. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's crazy. But I couldn't, none of my family were Christians, so I couldn't kind of ask anyone. So I went to the funeral, I'm just listening and and trying to figure out. And then then one of my grumpy aunties um, was sharing about stuff and she's like, ah, she went all religious at the end. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) dang right she did because I've been praying for her. And, and this, but the thing that really confused me in a sense is a couple of years later, my grandfather also got sick and I was like, oh, I know what to do. I'm just gonna pray again. But it wasn't, there. it wasn't, a, I don't know, it just wasn't a Holy Spirit birth thing. It just, it just didn't have, it wasn't there. And I don't understand that, but I know what I can look back at. God, God stirred, the Holy Spirit stirred this 19-year-old grandson to petition the King every day for this woman who was in, in her 70s until she had a chance and something shifted. And, and I believe I might sound presumptuous or stupid, I re, but I believe I rewrote the history of her, la, of her life. Because a 19-year-old boy at the other end of the country just every day, God, don't let her go yet until she's decided. Um, I... Uh, I've taught at Bible colleges for about 25 years and people often say, oh, don't go to Bible college, you'll lose your faith. I've only ever seen that happen once um, and it wasn't at Bible college, it was afterwards a a student um, who is a lovely guy and and had been in mission amongst the urban poor, came back, studied, was involved and and literally became an atheist. It was about 10 years ago. And I, I I just felt sad for 10 years about him and the tragedy of his life. And in October, well, I was here, 22nd of October, he messaged me, He said this, hey, Steve, I just wanted to touch base and let you know that I'm rediscovering my faith again. It started about two years ago. It's not a straight line thing, and I didn't really wanna let important people in my life know until I knew it was sticking, and there was a depth and sense of certainty about it. And he said this, and it's not trying to boast or anything, I'll tell you why I'm reading this in a bit later. He said, I love seeing what you're involved in and I wanted to let you know that you are someone who was a beacon of sorts. He said this, that made the possibility of returning to faith an option, even when all the voices in my head were saying it wasn't. Thanks for that. When we were back in New Zealand over summer, I caught up with him and had a lunch with him. And, I, and again, you know, and prayer's a mystery and it's like, I said to him, I I can't say that I prayed for you for the last 10 years, but what I can say is this, I held you in my heart for the last 10 years. I, I didn't write you off, I didn't give up. And I feel like I just held him before God and I held his cause before God, even without words. And 10 years later, God rewrites the script of his life. Just let that presence of God settle on. That child who's not walking with God. That family who's broken and dysfunctional. There's something about just, I'm just holding these people before God. Slightly more dramatic example, Christine and I were pastors of a church for a while, a number of years ago, and there was a young couple who were trying to have have a baby and... um, the wife had had about three miscarriages. And I remember walking into church one morning and um, Christine came up to me and said, oh, she's had another miscarriage. And before I knew what I was doing, I just, I marched up to this woman, looked her in the eyes and said, I'm gonna fast one day a week until you have a baby. And then you go and walk away and it's like, what did I do? (laughs) Like, what a stupid thing to do. (laughs) I had visions of me walking up in my Zimmer frame in 30 years, like, you know, could you release me from that prayer now? Because there's no way this is gonna happen. But it was like, okay, just every Friday, I'm gonna fast and pray. God, give them a child. God, give them a child. Every, God, give them a child. It's just this, God, give them a child. And about 18 months later, I felt something shift or break in the spirit. And I was like, it's gonna happen. Not just hoping, but knowing. I know that, I know that it's gonna happen. And a few months later, she got pregnant. Uh, She had a little boy. A couple of years later, another boy. They got the family with two little boys. And you go, I did a lot of things as a pastor of a church, running meetings, preaching sermons. I look back and go, that was probably the most significant thing I did. There was a a young woman in our church that I simply held before the king for 18 months. And now they've got a family. That's what I mean. We we are invited to rewrite the history of people's lives. Let me, that kind of illustrates perhaps something, a second dynamic that, yeah, I petitioned the king, but one of the things I learned early on, sometimes you pray and you just feel like, yeah, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for God. Sometimes you feel like you hit this wall. Anyone felt that? It's like, there's a wall that's stopping this prayer. And so I wanna talk about a second dynamic that, that we not only petition the king, but sometimes that we see a spiritual breakthrough. So there's a famous incident in Daniel. Is this, I hope this is helpful or stimulate some faith, but um, Daniel chapter 10. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. He's disturbed, he's praying about something that God has said he's gonna do, the return from exile. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. He doesn't mention biting his fingernails or picking his nose, but that's what he did. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. I just realised someone who listens to this sermon is gonna have no idea what I'm referring to, are they? (laughs) That was a notice. That was Esther's fault, not mine. Okay, okay. Daniel chapter 10, that's just for for the recording. Okay, on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river. I looked and there before me was a man dressed in linen. He's an angel. And it goes on to talk about what he's like. And then in verse 10, a hand touched my knee and set me trembling on my hands and knees and said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Remember, he's been praying 21 days, three weeks. Nothing's happened. He's like, God, are you not hearing me? And God's like, no, no, I really esteem what you, I really esteem you, Daniel, and I esteem what you're doing. What you're doing's important. Um, yeah, the delay in answer was not because God didn't care. And 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 then verse fifteen. Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you've set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I came in response. It's like the petition was answered. But then he says this. But verse thirteen. But. The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained. This is not This is this is evil spiritual powers. It's like God's up there on His throne, but between us and Him, there's this battle going on. And sometimes it's not that God is not for me, but there there's spiritual battles for God's purpose in our lives. There's spiritual bondages and strongholds, and it's not so much that I need to petition the King as I need to see a breakthrough in people's lives. And, and, and verse 14, now I've come to explain this. And then, and then verse 20, um, so, so he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I'll return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I'll tell you. And it's like, sometimes I'm caught in this dynamic where I'm not simply petitioning the king. Sometimes I'm, I'm saying, this wall has to fall. This thing has to break. Devil, you're going to let go of that person, that child who's just blinded to you. God, those blinkers are going to fall off at some point. God, there's going to be a breakthrough in our family. God, something is going to shift. And again I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep asserting this until something breaks and something shifts and 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 maybe I experienced that with that woman in our church but I know uh, an, another account but let me just give you one other kind of minor sub-truth of that. Yeah, so sometimes it's about forgiveness. Pastor Mark talks about, I realise I need to forgive someone and that unlocks it. Sometimes I need to pray in the opposite spirit. So there's all different things, but the key principle is this, something has to fall, something has to break open. And I'm just gonna keep pushing against that wall till it gives. And I refuse to accept the current limitations of my life. So um, a little dyna- another little dynamic in this, First Timothy, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies made once about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Sounds like you can read that like, oh yeah, prophecies encourage me while I fight the battle. But my experience has been sometimes prophecies are what you fight with and for. We often think God gives us a prophetic word. It's like, oh great, it's gonna happen. You know, God tells you that often because you're gonna need to know it because your circumstances aren't gonna look like it's happening. And you're gonna have to say, God, I declare you said this. I refuse to accept this circumstance. You said this child is coming back to faith. For us, you said that this college in the UK is gonna be five times bigger than the college in New Zealand. You said there's gonna be waves of people coming. I declare that's gonna happen and I refuse to accept anything less than that. Um, I had an experience a number of years ago when we lived in New Zealand in in a city um, there was the biggest church in the city. I woke up one night in the unusual time. It's like, this is a funny time to wake up. And I just felt God say, you need to support this, the pastor of that church in prayer. So I thought, like, oh, okay. So I went back to sleep in the morning. I thought, oh, I'll just encourage him. Hey, just let you know. I felt like God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, I need to support you in prayer. There was a... I don't know if you know, rugby, New Zealand, All Blacks is our big thing. So there was an All Blacks game on. So I'm busy watching the All Blacks game and my phone rings and it's this guy. So I'm kind of like trying to watch the game and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, tells, he tells me some stuff and then he hangs up and then I go, oh my goodness, he basically told me he's on the verge of giving up. Like he planted this church, it grew to 3,000 people in about 10 years and he's about, it's just got too much. He's going to give it away. And, and suddenly this thing hit me like, that is not going to happen. I'm going to pray and fight for this guy. That, and, and so, I, I probably, again, one of the lessons, I probably took it on too heavy, but pretty much 24 7, every waking hour, I just is in spiritual warfare for this guy, driving to work. God, this is not going to happen. Devil, you let go of this guy. Whatever I could think of, just praying. And then after about eight weeks, I felt like, oh, it shifted. And it's gonna be okay. And uh, a few years later, he got me to speak. He became the national leader of his movement, got me to speak at their conference. And one night there was one of those meetings where you know, people up the front and responding and it's all messy and Holy Spirit messy and all that kind of stuff. And I'm at the front and he came up and stood next to me. And he said, oh, the Holy Spirit just prompted me to come stand next to you and say, look at this. And then to say this, this wouldn't be happening if you hadn't prayed for me. And so you just go, oh, this is really important. And again, I can write lectures, I can preach sermons, but actually the thing I look back on, I prayed for my nana and she came to faith. I prayed for a young woman and she's got kids. I prayed for a significant leader in our nation and he's still in ministry. You know, this is what's important. Let me briefly... um, Talk about the third dynamic. Sometimes I'm petitioning heaven. Sometimes I'm warring for a breakthrough. But sometimes I'm experiencing an internal transformation. You know, there's a saying, prayer is not about changing God, but changing me. That's not totally true. That, the first two is about seeing something shift. But sometimes as I pray, it's about changing me. And even Jesus experienced this. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Matthew 26, sit here while I go and pray. He's about to be executed and he's going to pray about it. What, what's he going to pray about? Is he going to petition heaven that it doesn't happen? Is he going to pray against the devil who's, who's behind this thing of Judah's betrayal? And, you know, and so, and he begins to be sorrowful and troubled. This is deep prayer. And, and in verse 39, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And you know he comes back and they're asleep and then he comes back, verse 42, a second time. If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may more, your will be done. And if you can put up the two prayers, you'll, show, you'll see the next one, that, the two prayers, next one. Next one, next one, that one. Um, What changed? Jesus. Prayer wasn't moving the hands of the King. Prayer wasn't, in this case, seeing a spiritual breakthrough. Prayer shifted something in Him. And again, just this week, you know, I've been praying for some stuff, petitioning heaven. Come on, God, I need to see this happen. I've been praying against everything I could think of that would be in opposition to that. But at a certain point, I started to notice, ah, there's kind of an ugly attitude in me about this. I don't really like that. That's not really good, is it, God? And go, God, would you change me? Would you change my attitude about this? And again, as I just prayed that over a number of hours and days, God just oh that's where this attitude has come from. Okay, God. And again, there's a whole set of tools. I forgive these people, I ask your forgiveness. I I don't want to partner with that attitude anymore, God, just change my heart. And to the point where, oh, I'm free. And something shifted. Prayer is really important to God. I've run out of time to talk about Luke 18. Jesus taught a parable to encourage people, keep praying and don't give up. The kind of faith that just keep every day, God, don't let my nana die until she's had a chance. God, give this woman a baby. God, protect that pastor from giving up. God, change my heart. And just to kind of, can I invite you to stand and just I don't know how you connect with God, but to kind of go, this is really important. Your prayers matter to God. So again, whether you close your eyes or raise hand, just this sense, you are being invited into this exciting adventure where you write the history of some part of your world. You know, in Revelation 5, it just says this, there's these elders in heaven And each one had a harp, and they're holding golden bowls full of incense. It says this which are the prayers of God's people. The most fragrant, precious things in heaven are your prayers. They matter to God that you're petitioning Him. They matter to God that you're warring against spiritual bondage for for His purposes. They matter to God that you're asking Him to change your heart. They're like the incense of heaven, they matter. And the deepest form of prayer that Jesus showed was just this troubled sorrow. God, I'm desperate for my daughter to come to you. God, please don't let my nana pass away. God, don't let that church leader fall. God, give that family a baby. And Psalm 56 verse six just says this. You number my wanderings, it's this. Put my tears into your bottle. Your prayers go as incense. But he collects the tears. He collects the prayers that come with tears. Can I just say again, this is the being the most exciting, fulfilling part of Christian life and ministry, the life of prayer. I feel like there's some people here, God wants to anoint you afresh as prayer warriors. Come on, I'm gonna pray for things. I'm gonna fight for things. We're gonna do good and give, but we're gonna pray and petition heaven and warfare against these things and ask God to shift things. We're gonna see something rise up in this Equippers Church of people who not only know how to have fun and celebrate and praise and worship and do hospitality, but know how to pray and see something shift and do warfare and see something shift and, and see something transformed in their lives through prayer, that prayer matters to God, that God achieves His work by stirring His people to pray. And I just invite you, I kind of sense God I, wanna, I want this part of my life. And God, I want to be praying about things these 21 days that are not birthed just out of guilt or duty, not even out of my heart devotion, but they've been birthed by Your Spirit. And God, we want to say yes and amen to that in Your name. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to connect with the Crippers Church, then please visit equippers.co.uk and say hello. And if you enjoyed today's message, you can subscribe and share it with a friend.